President John F. Kennedy once said, leadership and learning are indispensable to each other. Well, today, we meet a group of people who've combined both. The current Catholic School Leadership Academy has been helping to form and mentor the next generation of Catholic school leaders for over a decade. Good morning, I'm Robin Shannon, and on today's Fordham Conversations, I'm joined by Dr. Noelle Beal, who is Regional Superintendent for the Catholic Schools of Central Westchester, and she teaches at Fordham University, and she's also an alum of Fordham. We also have Gina Marie Fonte, who is Principal in the Archdiocese of New York, Principal of Resurrection School in Rye, and a current fellowship graduate. And here is Amy Rodriguez. She is Principal at Immaculate Conception School, currently a current fellow and a soon-to-be Fordham alum. Thank you, ladies, for coming on in. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank for you so much. Us. So can you tell me, how did the current Catholic School Leadership Academy get started? Who wants to, who wants to start? Well, uh, about 10 years ago, the realization came that it was very important for us as an archdiocese to train our leaders, but not just train them through professional development to ensure that they had the proper degrees and credentials needed to be leaders in our Catholic schools. So through a partnership with the current organization, the archdiocese began working with Fordham University and uh, had select group of leaders go through the program, uh, the master's degree program, and the program was born. And I want to understand exactly what's the process for getting into current. So you would get nominated by um, one of your principals if you're a teacher at the school, and then you go through an interview process, filling out applications. And once you're interviewed, you're accepted into the program, if so be it. Anybody want to? Sure. For some of our uh, new school leaders who come to us with backgrounds but don't necessarily have the uh, education in school leadership, the master's degree, our new school leaders also have the opportunity to apply and go into the program as well. So how do you seek out who would be a good candidate? Are the characteristics? Absolutely. I think that I just nominated someone this year, and I just found looking for someone with strong leadership qualities in the classroom, going above and beyond in the classroom, and really showing those traits that a natural-born leader might have. Give me an example of a good leadership characteristic for someone for current. In my opinion, I think it's so important to look at that person as someone that is dedicated to Catholic schools and Catholic education. Because when you first begin your leadership in as a principal, you really need to put the time in. And I think that's so important. So I think you really have to be dedicated and really want to to be successful. Be a successful principal, a principal. or be a, a successful leader? Well, I think both. I think both. I think leadership, I think if you want to be a principal, you have to um, have successful leadership qualities in order to be successful at it. So I think it's so important for that person to really have the drive and have that stamina. Well, many of our current fellow graduates have gone on to be school leaders and served in the principalship. Some have taken on other roles in the archdiocese, uh, such as our instructional specialists and other type of curriculum coordinators. Um, So while we want our graduates to pursue school leadership as a principal, we realize that school leadership can uh, come to an individual in many forms. And so that's what's been wonderful about this program is it's taken teachers out of the classroom, given them the opportunity to serve in leadership, but it also really allows them to excel in those areas that are most productive for them. For example, my curriculum specialist in Central Westchester, Marie O'Shea, she's a graduate of the program. She was in cohort one. She chose to pursue curriculum leadership. 
And so now she works with all 25 of our schools in Westchester. She works directly with the principals and with the teachers, but her leadership role has gone really in a very different direction. But the skill set that she learned in Curran, she's now able to apply in that area of her leadership. Uh, Noelle, I'm going to have to ask you to back up a little bit uh, and explain a cohort one. What is that? Sure. So when the program came into inception 10 years ago, they named them each year by cohort. So the first group to go through is cohort one. Gina, what cohort are you? I think I'm six. Okay. and I'm cohort nine. So it's just a way to define who's in the program and how long they've been in the program? Correct. And you also uh, said something about an instructional specialist? Correct. What is that? Uh, so an instructional specialist here in the Archdiocese of New York is an individual, a leader, uh, who works on the central office staff, so someone who works with me, but supports all of our school leaders and our school teachers. So she's sort of like a push-in person. Each day she goes to a different school, and she'll work with a different teacher and a different leader on different aspects of curriculum, uh, things that the school might be working on for improvement. Maybe we're trying a new initiative. And they also lead professional development. So if we're l running large-scale workshops for our teachers, our instructional specialist would be in charge of uh, putting those things together as well. So why not go the traditional route of, okay, I find a teacher, and then a teacher kind of moves up in the ranks and ends up, you know, ends up being a principal in 10, 20, 30 years. The training that they will get at current, they can go directly to being a principal, correct? Correct. Uh, there was something that I was going to add that's really important with the nominating a teacher is their passion for Catholic education and Catholicism and forming the faith of our students. So that's something that's essential in looking at the teachers that I nominated this year. That was something that I was looking for, ones that truly believe in the foundation of Catholic education. And I think the current really um, magnifies that and finds leaders. So is that one of the reasons why it's important to not necessarily get somebody going the traditional route of becoming a principal, but to kind of key in on people who are ready to do it now? I would say yes, yes. absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. But I also think when you go through the current program, because we are in a cohort and you have good support, um, we also mm -hmm. have a lot of our professors are, I had Noel Beal was one of, Dr. Beal was one I of my Dr. professors. I had Dr. Beal too. So uh, when we have people that we can speak to directly about what's happening and have anecdotal stories to to help us through it really does make a difference now to back up on something that amy uh, was talking about the catholic school education how is a catholic school education different than a secular or public school education like give me specifics on that if you will i think one of the most important facets of a catholic education is the spiritual part of it and forming all of our students' faith. So that's actually the very first thing when you come into all of our schools you're looking for is that faith aspect that a secular school is not going to give their students. It really holds to those principles, many that we learned here at Fordham, about educating the body, mind, and soul. For us, it's really those three essential components. We don't see one absent from another. We, sure. we can't do body and mind if we're not doing body, mind, and soul. And our curriculum, our religion is infused into all aspects of the curriculum. So it's whether it's social studies or math, it's always infused. And we're always uh, reading these. The Pew Charitable uh, actually had a, a poll that said, you know, religion or beliefs in, in religion is going down. So how do you combine teaching about faith in a changing social and cultural climate? It's very I'll throw that out to one of our principals. <laughs> I, I find that to be um, very challenging, especially in a place 
um, like resurrection, we're in a schools, uh, the public schools that are around us are excellent schools, very good, and that's our competition. It's very competitive for us. So I think, well, you know, we, we support the families, the children, and we bring a sense of community that would otherwise not be there for these people that come to our schools. So I think it's a, a strong sense of community that really does drive the Catholic schools and make people come to see us. And I think parents today realize the importance of teaching the values and to teaching the the teachings of Christ because it's not evident in the world as we know it. And so parents are looking for this avenue as a way to supplement the work that they do at home because they realize that, you know, the child spends more time at school than they do at home. And so to make sure that they're providing as parents an opportunity for their children to have those values and to have the type of education that they likely received as a child, um, I think is really why parents see us as such an important value. And when I say value, I don't necessarily mean from the expense side of things. I think they see it as that it, this is a value added for their child's life. We also have um, many students that are not Catholic coming to our Catholic Absolutely. schools because of what we do and how we teach our children. And we're, we're teaching all children to be good citizens and to be good people. So I think most people want that for their children. So can we describe a little bit more on what is the draw for someone who might not be practicing any particular religion to be part of a Catholic school? Well, I, I think that, again, we're teaching all students to be good people, and I think that's a big draw for people, for you know, all parents. Um, so whether you're a Catholic or, or you're not a practicing Catholic or you are Presbyterian, we all want our children to grow up in a, in a beautiful, good environment and be good to each other and be good people. I think uh, something to add on that is um, a lot of the parents may not feel comfortable talking to their children about religion based on whatever their values are, whatever their faith is. So they kind of put it in our hands to help form the children and then they get to decide whether they want to continue that path after they graduate. But I think it's clearly parental choice in what we're doing because nearly 40% of our students are non-Catholic system-wide of our 65,000 students. And so to realize that parents are making a choice, um, and that choice involves making a pretty hefty monthly payment in tuition, that they're saying, hey, this is what I choose. This is what I really want for my child. I want those values and those lasting principles to be there because I want my child to be a strong, productive citizen of the 21st century. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. Today I'm talking with Dr. Noelle Beal, Gina Marie Fonte, and Amy Rodriguez. We're discussing leadership and learning from the current Catholic School Leadership Academy, which has been helping to form and mentor the next generation of Catholic school leaders for over a decade. We're talking a lot about community. Can you describe an example of something that, or a way that someone from Curran is taught to share building that community with a possible school they might go to? 
or sure. teach with? I think there's an actual class that we have, right? Yes, actually, I was going to say, I was going to say, as the professor in the program, <laughs> I'll take this one. So one of the great aspects of the program here at Fordham, through the Graduate School of Education, so you wind up graduating with a, a master's degree in education, is that many of the professors, like myself, are actual working professionals, working in school either currently or have recently worked in school. Um, so we bring a lot of that real-life experience to the class, and we're able to work with the students, many who are currently teachers or young in their leadership and to really bring those examples of, you know, this is what we should be doing now. You know, it's the beginning of the school year. These are the things that we should be doing as leaders. It's the middle of the school year. These are the things that we should be doing. But in addition, the program builds in current colloquium which is a spring event, and certainly our two principals can speak to that, uh, where they're assigned a project. The topic varies each year, and then they have to do extensive work in developing um, a project around that topic. And I'm sure that Amy and Gina can talk a little bit more about that. So each year that you're in the program, so it's a two-year program, you would participate in a colloquium, which is, a, as Dr. Beale said, a research based project and you work specifically with your cohort and the cohort that's about to graduate on teams, regional teams. You're given the topic, you research it, and then you go out and create this presentation and present it to a panel of judges. This year, I'm happy to say my team, Team Bronx, won based on our project for uh, customer service, providing good customer service. You read my mind because I was going to ask you what your project was, Amy. (laughs) It was providing the Disney World experience, bringing that to the Catholic school and really kind of welcoming families in. And Oh, wait a minute. That sounds great. Can you explain a little bit more? Like, how did that concept come up and what exactly does that mean? Well, I think it really derived from why parents are possibly leaving the Catholic school system? What can we provide to them to bring them back in and create that nurturing community, as Gina said earlier, experience what they want to see? So we did this whole research thing on Disney World, how they every experience from the moment that the families arrive at the park to the time that they leave, it's something personalized and customized to the clientele. So that was what we what we So how on. did you customize it to the Bronx. So interesting, we had a model school, Our Lady of Grace School, principal there, is amazing and he really focuses on the customer service from the point that he started to I believe it's he's in his eighth year now. Yes, I think so. Um and he really built this whole customer service experience. His families they participate in block parties, they come in and they volunteer. The teachers go above and beyond and they participate in after school activities when they might not be getting paid for them because they love the school, they love the kids, and they love the environment. Um, so we kind of used his school as a model. What is he doing right? Why are the parents coming back every year? And no roller coasters. And no roller coasters. And no roller coasters. <laughs> <laughs> so will that, it's a project, but sure. is there a way to implement that in a real world scenario? Actually, I think a lot of us do. When we were working on the projects, I know a couple of years back, whatever that project was, we would use it in that school to see if it was successful. And if it's successful, then we can you know, carry that on and share it with other schools. And that's why the projects are so great and that colloquium was so wonderful because you actually, it wasn't just the research project, it wasn't just the presentation, but we were using that in our schools because we used model schools as you did for sure. Our Lady Grace. So it really does work. And the Archdiocese takes this very seriously in that each year the winning team has the opportunity in the following school year to go to the National Catholic Education Association Conference and present their work on a panel presentation to a larger audience. 
Uh, so it's really exciting that each year at a national conference, our fellows are represented and are able to really shine and show what we're doing here in the Archdiocese. Can anyone share the type of projects that have won in the past that have real-world implications? So last year's project that we also worked on as a current fellow was based on data. How could we use the data that we collect in the school to improve it and create like a strategic plan or improvement plan for the school? So last year we also chose a school within my team. We chose one of the principal schools. We took the data. What can we use with this? Can we up enrollment? How can we increase New York State scores? Uh, so it was like they were saying before, it's very practical and real and can be implemented after. I think one of our projects was teaching children with disabilities and how we can bring that back, you know, how, we, how that can help us in our schools, um, what we can, what resources we can get, how we can use those resources, what was the outreach so that we can help the kids that are in our, our schools that need extra help. We've also had projects that look at how do we incorporate technology, technology both in the classroom and technology outside of the classroom. How are children able to bring technology into their homes to continue the learning process through you know, online platforms and things of that nature. And then we've also had uh, one year a topic that dove really deeply into enrollment to look at why do parents pick our schools, what makes our schools different than other schools, uh, particularly non-public schools. Um, so they are very practical. Uh, uh, approaches because these are real skills that the leaders will take with them when they go off and lead their own schools. So I want to switch gears here a little bit and talk about education in general. Um, and I'd like to ask each of you, how is the role of an educator changing? Well, I can say that I think technology is moving so quickly and it's moving quicker than we can possibly learn and teachers can possibly learn. So I think that's a huge challenge for everyone. I know a lot of the schools have the Chromebooks now in, in our Catholic schools, and we use Google Education. So our teachers that have been there for many years have to be retrained and re-familiarize themselves with different ways to, to approach students because of this changing world. Excuse Amy? Me. I think one of the hot topics now that we talk about, and it's been like this for a couple of years, is differentiated instruction and really teaching all of our children and being inclusive in the classroom. And it kind of taps into what Gina said about retraining some of our teachers, how to not teach like whole class instruction and just one way, teaching one certain way, but really tapping into all the different types of learning abilities of our students. I think we have to be realistic that, you know, we are in the 21st century. And so when parents are making a choice about where they would like their child to be educated, they're realizing that their child is going to grow up in a world very different than the world that they themselves grew up in. And so they're wanting to pick a place where teachers do have the values and the moral fortitude like we have, that Catholic piece. But they also want a place where the school is going to be innovative and that they are going to make sure that their child is receiving all of those uh, elements of that 21st century education so that they are good digital citizens in, in addition to being good citizens. It's really been wonderful, as Gina said, about watching our teachers go through this professional development and the type of changes that they've been making. Google uh, Education has transformed what we do. Teachers are able to provide fantastic assignments. Children can work online. They can work collaboratively together. And the teacher can then come in digitally and provide feedback and comments to those students 
live while they're working. Um, so it, it's not only preparing them for today, but it's preparing them for the skill sets they're going to need when they go out into the world. And I think that's what's making education so exciting today. But to really complement what Amy said, it's that differentiation. It, it's using that data that we have available, both the hard data through assessment and what I would call the soft data from you know what we see happening in the classroom, to really meeting the children where they are and bringing them to where they need to be. Because every child learns differently, and so we want to make sure we're meeting those needs. And our teachers are really passionate about that. Now, the current Catholic School Leadership Academy has been around for over a decade. How has it had to change or evolve in the, you know, 10, 12 years that it's been around? that colloquium project has really been what has um, allowed it to evolve over time. You know, certainly the master's degree is the master's degree, and, and we do have to change the curriculum within the degree to keep up with the time. So, you know, for example, when Common Core came out, yes, of course, we had to start talking about that. But I think it's the projects, uh, the, the supplemental work that really has allowed the program to evolve. What would you ladies say about that since you're in the program currently? Well, I'm in my second year, so I don't really know how it um, was in the beginning. So I don't know that I can answer that, <laughs> to be honest with you. Well, I think that um, going through the program from you know, three years ago and four years ago, actually now, and finding myself where I am, there, there has been a lot of changes um, just in the system and, you know, just the different teaching things and technology, as I said. So I think the program is changing with that. So I'm sure Karen will take on more of, you know, Google education. It'll be something that'll be in the forefront for the new principals coming through. I think that um, what I can say when um, Dr. Beale spoke about the colloquium project, having that project really made us bond more and really get to know the schools within our system. I don't know that I would have known so much about Our Lady of Grace, which is literally two blocks away from my school, if not for that project. So I think it really has created a deeper bond between all of the current fellows, that project. So it is a good addition to the current academy. An additional piece we're adding uh, in, in the future years, and uh, it won't be ready to launch for this September, but we hope in the September of 2020, um, we're looking to add an additional year of spirituality that the current fellows would come in first and not start the coursework immediately in the master's program, that there would be time for them to work in a cohort developing the spiritual aspect of their leadership because we know that that's really foundational for their choice in choosing to be Catholic school leaders. So that's another aspect of the program that I think, you know, over time will really become sort of a, a bedrack of what makes the program so strong. How many people do you choose a year? Usually about 12 to 15. And why do you keep it at that number? Is there logic to it or a reason behind it? Well, I would certainly just... let our cohort people talk about the benefit of a small class size. Yeah, well, I like having a small cohort. Again, that's my support system. I don't know that if it was a large classroom or, you know, a lot of people, it would be as close-knit. I've worked with my colleagues for, what, two years now, from the very beginning to the very end, and including our professors who are part of the archdiocese, who literally have walked the same road that we have, so it really makes a difference. Mm -hmm. I agree with that, and I think over time, you, you those relationships, you keep those bonds forever, so... It is helpful. 
you know, referencing back to um, Marie O'Shea, my instructional specialist, uh, who was in cohort one. To this day, you know, 10 years later, she is still in contact with her colleagues. Uh, while they may not all still work within the archdiocese, people have moved away and things like that, they are a close-knit bond of leaders, and they call on one another, they rely on one another, and I think that that's, again, a, an extra piece of the program that just gives such stability to it because it provides that extra resource for the leaders. Now, I want to talk a little bit about funding because you said earlier we, we kind of touched on it, but uh, does the current leadership program offer any financial support to fellows? for schools? It's 100% free to get your education through the current program. It's a big draw. That was easy enough. Yeah, very easy. <laughs> and uh, we get that through our uh, wonderful benefit of donors that come out to support this program, as well as some of our title funds as well. So and it's a combination of funding. And can we talk about that a little bit? How important is the funding when it comes to like proper education? Well, we're getting a Fordham degree, so that's proper education, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Absolutely. Amen. <laughs> Amy, how has the current program really shaped you as a person, not just as an educator, not just as a leader, but as a person? Well, I would have to go back to the whole spiritual development and faith formation. Um, I think because that's what the current leads with, that's really how it's helped me as a person, shaping me to then go on in taking the responsibility of the faith formation of an entire school. So that's really how it's guided me. And as I alluded to earlier, I have a wonderful support system that I've now established with my cohort, with my professors. Everything's real. Everything's practical. It doesn't get better than that, really. Can we go around and I ask Noelle how, uh, taking it out of what you've learned and given to current, how are you using that outside in the quote-unquote real world? Sure. Well, I'd have to say um, I do have the tremendous advantage of having an undergraduate degree from Fordham as well as a Ph.D. from Fordham. So the all of the Jesuit ideals and principles that are um, really fostered as part of those degree programs um, have really formed who I am as an educator and as a leader. And I believe that I'm able to bring much of that back into my teaching. But what I take away from the teaching, what I take away from the program, is the energy and excitement of working with the students. Um, you know, when I got into education, I got into education to be a teacher. I didn't get into education to be a superintendent. Um, you know, so I think through some good luck and some great fortune, I became a superintendent and some hard work, I'll say that too. But I missed the classroom. And being part of the current program has allowed me to go back to the classroom and to work with our future leaders. It's so exciting, you know, to see the ideas that they come up with, to hear the things that they're doing currently in their schools, uh, to see how they are sharing that information. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about social media. Many of our schools have Twitter feeds. And so it's been great over my years of working with the program to see what our leaders are then doing back at school. You know, they're tweeting about what they're doing. So for me, it's been wonderful because it gives me excitement, it gives me energy, and then I'm able to bring that right back to the work I do every day. And Gina? So not only did I formulate wonderful relationships with my cohort, but I also believe that had I not gone through Curran, I wouldn't be the same leader that I am today in that it really, just being part of this group and having the professors that we have who are, I mean, you know, my superintendent, 
we were able to um, talk about real life situations that were actually happening. So it really does shape you as a leader. And those anecdotal stories and just sharing with other people really help to make you more successful. And you feel like you have a support system that I don't believe you would have anywhere else. I would have to agree. I mean, one of the benefits of being a professor in the program and, and having students who work in the system, while I may not necessarily be their direct supervisor, I'm colleagues with their direct supervisor. So if they're having a challenge, they have me as a support, but they have their direct supervisor as a support, and they're really able to work through uh, whatever is currently on the horizon. But those relationships, as Amy referenced, you know, I still get uh, emails or phone calls from uh, students that I taught many years years ago, not seeking out help so much, but to say, hey, look what I'm doing. This is so exciting. Here's something we talked about in class that's real. Just this weekend, a former student uh, was tweeting about something and actually uh, said, hey, this was something we did in class. And it was so great to see that. And uh, we went back and forth through Twitter talking about the exciting things that she had learned in class and how she was using them in her school building to this day. And I think it all comes back to that sense of community that the Catholic school brings and it flows through everything we do with the current program and and how we produce our leaders. I would just say that if there's any listeners out there who are currently working in Catholic school and you know this isn't something you are familiar with, reach out to your principal and uh, say, hey, I'm interested in being a leader. Uh, because sometimes, you know, 95% of us got tapped on the shoulder. Someone saw leadership in us. But there is that small group that somebody didn't necessarily see it in them. They need to come forward and say, hey, I'm, this is something I see for myself. Okay. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank Noelle Beal, Gina Marie Fonte, and Amy Rodriguez. I'd also like to thank my producer, Andrew Millman. You can like Fordham Conversations on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and catch up on the shows you've missed with our weekly podcast. For WFUV's Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.